I'm a big believer that there's only lessons and there's blessings. So nothing is inherently bad or good. It just is. And you take from it what you what you take from it. Beyond Ourselves is a podcast where I, Taylor Camille, share stories by those living a life fully and beyond any stigma or perceived limitations a health condition may have on their day-to-day lives. For season two of this series, we're highlighting stories from Black men. The stigmas around caring for their health and bodies beyond fitness and examining masculinity. As always, please share and subscribe if you haven't already. Today we're talking to Gabriel Carter and learning about his life with alopecia the condition that develops when the immune system attacks the hair follicles resulting in hair loss. It can affect anyone regardless of age and gender, though most cases occur before the age of 30, and there's currently no cure. Gabriel was such a delight to speak with. He is so thoughtful and caring and full of good quotes. I was also very excited to record this episode because I have new mic equipment. I'm not using to record this intro, but you'll hear it in this episode, so please let me know if we're sounding better. Here's Gabriel. My name is Gabriel Carter. I build communities through branding and marketing as my day job, and during the night, I blog and do a lot of social media work around alopecia awareness and building strong communities and environments where people are safe to express themselves yeah yeah and i so of course i stumbled upon your instagram just in my search and i think often when i'm talking about health conditions with people and when i'm looking for people to interview i it's really really hard to find black people that are also experiencing these things but then also talking about them so it's like a double-edged sword and so you know, to see you talking about alopecia and bringing awareness to it was really, I was excited to see you having those conversations. If you will, in your words, what is alopecia? How would you define it? And when did you first notice your symptoms? So alopecia is an autoimmune disorder, which basically means that my body attacks my hair follicles, thinking it's a foreign invader. This causes the hair to fall out and it can range in different variations. So me personally, I have alopecia areata, which means that I have patches that fall out, but people have some really small patches that grow back and then never lose it again. Some people have a type where they lose all of the body hair everywhere. So for me, I was diagnosed in the third grade and I was at a young age, so I didn't really I don't think I really took note of the things that were happening around me, but Mm -hmm. I do remember I heard teachers whispering about it. You know, I'm a little kid. I'm just trying to have fun with my friends. And it wasn't until earlier years that I realized how much elementary school, primary school, how much appearance really affects your journey in that world. Yeah, for sure. And that was one of my other questions to you. I mean, we tie so much into our appearance and, you know, how you look is like one of the first things people judge you off of. How have you, I mean, from as you became more aware of this, how have you learned to embrace your condition? And I mean, there's also a sense of vulnerability that comes with talking about it, I'm sure too. Yeah. So I 
don't think it's for everyone to have to know right off the bat. You know, when, when you look at me, I'm usually wearing a hat or a beanie and that's for my own peace. That's for my own comfort. I started wearing a beanie in high school, probably my junior year. And I fell in love with the style, but I also fell in love with that comfort. It, like pretty much I get to wear my security blanket whenever I want. Um, and most people don't have that. It, it can create some moments of stress because a lot of people with alopecia tend to shave off all their hair. And there's a lot of conversation about men in particular shaving their hair. Oh, it'll be so much easier for you. But I actually never wanted to shave my head. I appreciated the hair that I had. And hair is super important in the Black culture. I love getting shape ups and I love just hairstyles and things like that. So I, I didn't want to shave my hair and I was adamant about that even when I was young. So hats and beanies became my kind of security blanket for that. Yeah. Was there ever a time when people confronted you with like, maybe you're in a classroom and they're like, you need to take your beanie off? Or was there uh, an understanding that, you know, this is my security blanket. I need this for myself. Have you ever been confronted in that way? Yes. And (laughs) multiple times we can be on this podcast a long time. And that really, (laughs) my, it built my awareness, I guess, and empathy for others just Mm. because you can be in certain situations where people don't hear you. And as a young child, you also don't know how to communicate properly, like the stress and the things that the anxiety that you feel without that beanie on. So there are many times in classes where a lot of my teachers actually, you know, they would let me wear my beanie. They they were cool with it. But a lot of the administrators in the particular school I was in, you had to have a doctor's note. But our doctor was in D.C. It was a hassle. I'm one of 10 kids. So there was a lot oh that it would take to get me there and get back and and a lot of management and stuff like that. So when the time came for me to finally get my doctor's note, that was a really big day for me. But I've been stopped multiple times in the hallway by administrators. One that I'll never forget is a lady who she caught me multiple times and she would say, everybody has a bad hair day. And oh it my God. me. I was still kind of young then. So her, like, I, I wouldn't know why I carry that anger, but I did. And, and, and I would realize later on how I felt like it belittled my experience because I was feeling a lot of things and I was feeling attacked without the beanie on. Yeah, for sure. That uh, that just made, I feel traumatized even hearing that because it's a totally other. I mean, first of all, black hair, as you mentioned, there's so much tied into it. And we take a lot of pride in our hair and we take a lot of pride in how we appear. And it's a process, right? So for for someone in that position of power to just, you know, knock it down to being a bad hair day and not having the empathy out front is just like, it kills me inside to even hear that. But I'm sure there's, that's not the only, like you said, we would be here all day. I'm sure that's not the only experience, but geez, it's just the people not thinking beyond like the obvious, right? I agree. And I think, you know, not, not everyone knows what alopecia is, even though there's there's large numbers of people who have it. I think that there, there were some opportunities there to have real conversations, especially for administrators who 
caught me multiple times, maybe in the hallway wearing a hood or a hat, instead of, you know, reprimanding me, kind of starting the conversation, hey, I catch you like this, like, are you okay? And things like that. Because there were mm-hmm. where I was bullied throughout, starting in the third grade, throughout, I mean, even to today, there are people who don't know how to respond to things that they don't understand. Maybe they respond with laughter or or attack you just because they just don't understand and they don't know how to engage in, in a in a conversation that allows both party members to come away learning and sharing without hurting each other. You know, I try not to feel personally attacked by what people say or do. You know, yeah. they're in control of themselves and I'm in control of my own self. So a lot of times if I'm not wearing a beanie, I'll get questions like, what's wrong with you? And I've always disliked that statement because it implies that something is wrong with me. Uh, I think I've heard it. There's someone who has an Instagram by this name who um, blogs about alopecia. And I've heard it also in the cancer space where someone asks, oh, are you bald by choice or by nature? And that is a conversation starter where I'm like, oh, it's not by choice. I have alopecia. And a lot of people just don't know how to phrase those questions in that way. I've kind of taken out the personal attack part of it, you know, so the best I can do is respond in a way that represents my character. Yeah, for sure. How have you, I mean, how have you explained alopecia to friends or coworkers or even like my biggest thing when I think about this is when you are dating, you know, how does it come up and how do you introduce it? I've been... You know, I strive to be authentic and I've been really lucky to have really good friends and relationships where they get to see my character first. They get Mm -hmm. to understand who I am. And when I'm comfortable with them, I can take off my beanie and and they accept me for who I am, which is which is how it should be. But lately and this is this is new. I'm 26 and I want to say within the last year, I've really spoken out more about alopecia and I've also taken my beanie off but in front of more people than I've ever taken it off in my entire life probably <laughs> last year and really set with friends without it on because mm-hmm. even when it comes to good friends there's there's so much trauma that I hold on to from back in the years that even when it when I'm with good friends I'll still have it on it takes a lot for me to to let that go and to give up that security blanket. But there's also a conversation happening with myself and my love for myself that I, that I understand without the beanie who I am and how beautiful I still am and my potential to grow with alopecia. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I love to hear that. It's it's such a process and I think I wanted to also ask you and this is probably obvious, but when do you think you feel you're most vulnerable? Is it without your beanie or are there other moments where you just feel like naked and not sure? It's definitely without my beanie. So I love to go into things prepared. That's always been taught to me. You go in prepared, it makes it easier. So there are certain situations that happen quick where you have to remove your beanie and those, you you get that red hot flash, You 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 clam up 
And a lot of times things like airports, people don't understand how much airports give me anxiety, just going through security and everyone's like, okay, remove your hat. For me, I reached a moment where I understand that the people are behind me. And like, if I'm with a friend, I usually ask them to stand behind me mm-hmm. um, because it just helps a little bit to know that a friend is behind me. Um, because there are certain times when you take it off and then you just hear laughter and all this other stuff and it brings you back to that trauma. And the other thing is I love roller coasters with a passion, but you have to take off your hat every time you ride a roller coaster. And I have so much anxiety going to amusement parks, even though I love them. So I try to have a friend sit to as close to the, the lines so I can sit furthest away from the lines. Mm, that makes sense. So like when you board on, then you're going to like the furthest car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just thinking about you thinking through these moments to like keep down your anxiety or to keep down, yeah, those feelings. It's like you've figured this out, like how this could work for you, right? But then it's also just heartbreaking that you have to think through all of these things too to kind of protect your peace. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean... I think of different things as diff- it's like almost like a, a minefield. Like you're just trying to anticipate where the next hiccup might come. Yes, that that's exactly how it feels. When I'm preparing to go to certain places or to do certain things, I always take an account whether will this knock my, my hat off? Will this, will it be windy? Will, there's so many factors that go into the experience and that kind of awareness has both been a a gift and a curse, I guess you can say, because a lot of the time, especially when I was younger, what would help me feel comfortable because I wasn't comfortable with myself was surrounding myself with people and surrounding myself with friends and doing what I could do in order to keep those people around me. And I wouldn't go out or strike out on my own because I would feel so much anxiety or, or discomfort that if I wanted to do something and everyone said was busy, then I would just, I'd be like, all right, I guess I won't go then. You know, I didn't have um, the security that I needed. And have you grown out of that a bit now? Or do you still in some ways feel like you need, need a friend along when I guess it's not COVID times and you can do other activities? Do you still have that sense of like needing to have someone around? No, that's changed a lot. So I would love friends to be able to travel with me and do things with me. But I've reached a moment where I really begin to focus on myself. So whether people comment or laugh or whatever, I know my core values. I know who I am and I love to travel and I love the things that that I'm chasing. And I have clarity about those things. and, And when I am moving towards that in goal, I don't really care who is behind me, who's laughing, because I'm consistently moving forward and I'm doing what I have to do in order to achieve more peace, achieve my dreams, get that bag, whatever it may be. <laughs> so I that has subdued a lot, that kind of anxiety. Yeah. Just thinking about when did you start blogging or talking about this more intentionally? And was there anything that like made you feel more compelled to do that? Or was it just like on a whim, you know, I want to write about this. I want to share my story. What made you start and when did you start? So it started with right out of college, I got a job at a nonprofit, the Omen Foundation, and it was a great nonprofit, loved it, loved the people there. 
and they support young adults who've been impacted by cancer. And they're all about community and building a strong community. And there's a lot of physical changes that happen with cancer and losing hair. And those conversations, I was able to be around. Mm -hmm. And I got to see how much the community really helps and how finding your own space and being able to have a voice really, really matters for you when you're going through something. Mm-hmm. Sharing that experience is just, it it really builds some type of, of strength inside of you. So I knew for a long time that I wanted to find that community for myself. I knew that there were other people with alopecia and it just so happens that there was a conference in Seattle, I think this was two years ago, and I went to the alopecia conference and it was amazing. I There was just bald heads everywhere and patchy heads and <laughs> something that's always stuck out to me is I enjoy um, swimming and being underwater, but I don't like public pools and things like that because of all of the people. But the, the thing that got me to go to the conference was reading someone's comment about it, about their, their daughter or somebody who also felt that same anxiety for public pools, but mm-hmm. their room overlooked uh, the pool at the conference that year. And she was like, there's so many people who look like me in the pool. Like she couldn't wait to go. Oh. And I commented about that. And I was like, that is what I want. That I like, I just want to feel comfortable in my space. And so that kind of really started the journey. At the time, I was also reading a book, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And I was also doing therapy at the time, just really learning how to focus on myself, give myself more attention and how to stop chasing happiness and how to create more peace. That journey kind of brought me to a moment where I've always liked to talk. I've always liked to get to know people. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm really open. <laughs> I'm usually really, really open. And how can I, if I'm this open and I don't mind sharing, I should be that voice. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who I'm sure felt like me without that security blanket who just clam up, who can't speak because that trauma is it's heavy. And I was like, you know what? It's time for me to be bold. It's time for me to, to be that voice. I do a lot of work with design and kind of like bold statements and and things like that. So it it kind of fit together a lot of the marketing and the branding and all of that stuff. So it it just came out. I started February of of last year. So Mm -hmm. coming up on a year. I'm so happy that you, you did it and that you know, there's conferences and spaces like that where community can be held and you can feel seen. And I think that's so important. Yeah, it was amazing. And there was a moment where we were all kayaking, me and some of the friends I had met there, and the wind blew and some of them were wearing wigs, some of them were, and I was wearing my beanie and, and we all like, you know, put our hand up at the same time and then looked at each other and started laughing. And I don't think there was anything sweeter than the knowledge of like both the, the quick fear that we all felt of like our hat or our wig blowing off, but also the understanding that everyone there understood that feeling. It was just so like, it it made the whole space lighter. I can't describe it. It was, it was a moment that I'll probably remember for the rest of my life. And, and I wanted to create a space like that, which is why I started my blog and then started to be more vocal about it. 
Yeah, that's so beautiful. I literally got chills when you said that because I can I can visualize all of that happening, you know, like the, the fear and then the kind of relief, like, okay, wait, I'm in a safe space. I'm okay. That's so beautiful. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah, it was a good moment. Good moment. Yeah, and, for and sure. There was other moments and there are people like, I don't feel that bold sometimes about how I live because I'm always wearing a beanie, but I choose that beanie. I choose that life, but I see other people, you know, like they're completely bald and and all this other things and they're living so boldly. And I was like, you know what? My journey is my own. Let me focus on myself. Let me show people that you can control how you move in the space with your alopecia. For me, that was me wearing my beanie and I don't have any plans of changing. You know, if alopecia had a cure, I would 100% take it. But right now I had to figure out what what could give me the most peace. And that doesn't look like shaving for everybody. That doesn't look like, you know, being completely bald. It might look like wigs. For some people, they might not like wigs. For some, it's hats. And figuring out what that, what that looks like for you, I think is, is really important. And being in a space where you get to see so many different examples of alopecia lived well, I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. I was going to ask, because you mentioned, I mean, obviously it was hard for you to come to that community and find them, but some research I found said that one in five people with alopecia has a family member who's also experienced the condition. Was that the case for you? I know you have a lot of siblings, but was there anybody in your family who also experienced alopecia? Yes. And yeah. it happened after me. So older brother, but it happened, I got it first. And we are very different personality wise. So I couldn't gauge his response. I think I've, I've always been emotional. I want to talk to people about like how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, I need an outlet for it, whether it's creative, whether it's journaling or blogging. And so for me, I think people saw my response a little bit more through the things I was doing creatively, but I really wasn't speaking about my experience or sharing my experience, even within my own family. I kind of held it all in until recently when I started doing more therapy and when I started to journal more, that's when it was kind of just like overflowed all of the things that I was holding, all of this, the self-love I was denying myself and the, the low self-worth, like I was able to get a full picture and, and take a step back and be like, wait a second, I am the goat. <laughs> <laughs> Let me leave it out. You know, this is my experience of life. And I saw something on credit goes to the girl I saw, but she wrote, no one can replicate your voice. And that really spoke to me. Like no one has been through the things you have done and no one can speak about the character and the moves you've made through life. So I chose that to be my mantra for, you know what? I need to be bold. I need to share my story. No one else can do that. Mm -hmm. And it's so true because it's unique, but then when people hear you say different parts of your story, they might see, you know, a glimmer of something from their story. And it's just like, it gives everyone like a little bit of courage, but also, I don't know, I feel so much fuller when I share things about myself, you know, and like just recognize that even if I don't feel like sharing that, like 
it's my story and like I am special and you know I don't need anybody else to validate validate yeah. that yeah I, I think it just sweetens the human experience because I, I feel like it's mm-hmm. like the, the, when you're in college and the professor asks a question and nobody raises their hand or nobody answers and you're just like does no one have an opinion about anything? Like, can we can we start a dialogue? Like, yeah. it, just, it makes class go by so much quicker when we all contribute and share. And it also makes those bonds stronger and happen a little bit faster. Try for that authenticity and that realness. Yeah, yeah, me too. And you're doing it. You're doing the work. I think that's the biggest part. I've realized there's, like, I was, I've always been a dreamer and I've always you know, been a deep thinker. And it was also one of those gift curse type things, because a lot of the times, if I wasn't surrounded by friends, I was in my head, and it was not the best place to be. So I had to kind of really learn how to, you know, change my narrative, my self narrative, how I talk to myself, but then also, when I had those dreams or I'm just living constantly in my head, I had to remind myself, look, listen, the future doesn't exist. A lot of the times we're, we're like, oh, I don't want to go to that party because someone's going to knock my, my hat off. And you build this future that is one way. It's all, and, and it doesn't even exist. It's all how you think about it. You're, you're already expecting the worst to happen. Mm-hmm. And you go in, into experiences already worry of them. And, and I, I realized how much I was doing that and how much I was living in the future. And I said, you know what, let me take some steps back. Let me focus on what I can do, what action I can put right now in order to propel myself forward. How can I, chasing those dreams, it's great to have those big dreams, but it takes action to make them happen. Yeah, definitely. And it's so hard to be present. And it's so hard not to like brace for impact for like what the next thing or next obstacle could be, but just like being fully in the now is my biggest challenge <laughs> myself. So you know, yeah, I agree. I'm still learning to this day. There's mm-hmm. a moment where I catch myself where I'm like, I just thought of an entire situation that does not exist right now. And I know I'll, you know, you can make yourself sad, you can make yourself happy, whatever it may be, you have to take a step back and be like, okay, you know, either that was a great fantasy or, oh, I would not want that to happen. How can I prepare so either that does not happen or I get the result that I want? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so something I've been asking everyone this season, because we're talking about Black health and Black male health, is how they define masculinity. Thinking about all of those components of what you're fed and what what your actual definition is. <sighs> That's hard. That's a hard question to be put on the spot. I, I'll, I'll give a long-winded answer probably, and hopefully I'll, I'll touch on some points. But I want to start by saying I really think that communication is important for everyone. And I think it, if you can communicate very strongly, there's a quote about effective communication is not saying a lot, it's being understood. And communication, I think, if if we can actively listen and hear and then communicate our feeling without being attacked by the other person or feeling attacked and letting that ego go, I think, you know, that is, it's a good quality to have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so, you know, active listening as well as communication 
I think are really important, but I, I really think taking responsibility for what is, is incredibly important and not, you have a lot on your plate and a lot of people have a lot on their plate. And so you, you have what is in front of you and you, you deal with it and you, if you have goals and dreams and, and things like that, like you take the action and you take responsibility for the course of action that you took. If you did something and it, and it, you know, hurt someone or if you did something and it, you know, built up a community, you take responsibility for, for those around you that you are in charge of and you take responsibility for yourself and your well being. I think you, yeah, just, taking action, actively listening, and, and communicating effectively. Those are all really important things. Do you feel like the standard definition of masculinity, whatever that is, do you feel like that includes you? Do you feel ostracized from that definition? How do you feel about that word in like, I don't know, a <laughs> <laughs> in like a just everyday sense of the word? Do you feel like it, it encompasses you? Because I think I often even feel limited by the scope of femininity, right? Like, yeah. I, do you feel like masculinity and that notion, yeah, I'm, encompasses you? Also, this is just a, a difficult, I, I'm enjoying this conversation so much because it's so... <laughs> So, like you said, it's kind of nuanced, but honestly, I'm like, those words, masculine and feminine, I recognize what those mean for like, like energies and, and different, it's hard to explain. I think mm -hmm. a lot of time worrying about, oh, am I coming off masculine or if I'm coming off feminine? And I'm like, why worry about that? Like, you know, like just be yourself, just move in this world how you feel most comfortable and like, who cares if someone thinks, oh, well, that wasn't the most masculine thing to do. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, I'm just doing me. And often I have conversations with people about the feminine energy and the masculine energy. My best friend, shout out to Bridget, she talks to me often about, there are certain things that I love to do that people are always like, oh, that's not masculine. Cleaning. I love, like, I... There's so much stuff. I love cooking and taking care of other people and being emotional and having deep conversations. And uh, a lot of people, when they first meet me, their first question is whether or not I'm gay, which I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? But mm -hmm. I'm always like, you know, no, I just, I'm, I'm open and I'm honest with my emotions. And for some reason, today's definition doesn't have that open that that communication aspect and I'm I'm not about it so I would say that I I don't like today's definition of masculinity but I think that we have the opportunity to kind of change the dialect of what it means to be masculine right now I, I do think a lot of that has to do with emotional awareness yeah I think so too I had a other conversation with a friend and it's the main question we were just like who is allowed to be soft Right. I've written that as well. Like, I want to remain soft in this world. I think it tries to cut all of the soft edges away, especially when you're dealing with things like alopecia and other diseases. And, and it's tough. The world just kind of beats you down. And that book I was reading, Eckhart Tolle, he says, like, life isn't designed to make you happy. It's designed to challenge you. Through those challenges, you grow, you learn what it is you like and what you dislike and you can move with a clarity in this world where you say this is for me or this is not for me and no one can shake you 
you know, people can call you names and it's like, okay, thank you for your opinion. You're wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely. I think we all need a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's such a good quote because I think we do get so hung up on like, I'm not happy right now. Like something's wrong. And it's like, just sit with the unhappiness. You can't constantly be happy. You have to feel other emotions and yes. you have to express it. <laughs> you know? I and we're all human. We feel, everyone feels these range of emotions, you know? And I think that's what the, you know, take responsibility for what is. People, when you're happy or, or when you're sad, people want to, they want to say, oh, it'll get better. And sometimes you just don't need to hear those positive words. And I'm, I'm completely like, you know, one of those people who are super positive. But at the end of the day, I'm like, all right, do you want to just sit in this feeling for a little bit, you know, you can't let it overtake your life, but your feelings are valid. Your, your unhappiness is valid. Your, you know, that stress you feel, that anxiety you feel, all of that is valid. And you deserve to be able to have moments where you're angry and you're upset. And you're also deserve moments of pure bliss, but you move with what is at this moment and you address it and you reflect on it and say, you know, I've had a bad day today. What can I do? You know, what made it bad? You know, what, yeah. what lessons can I take from it? And I'm a big believer that there's only lessons and there's blessings. So nothing is inherently bad or good. It just is. And you take from it what you, what you take from it. Yeah. That's so good. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. I only have a couple more questions. And one of these two questions, you've been dropping a lot of good quotes and messages, but I wondered if there's a quote or phrase that you often lean into or lead your life living by. Yeah. So these are become pillars for Shelton Hamab, the blog I run. So mm -hmm. those are worry about yourself. And I mean that in take note of your emotional awareness, your, your emotional happiness, take away, like worry about the energy you give up your time and energy or currencies that you don't get back. So be, those are precious things and treat them as such. So really focus on yourself, focus on your growth. Don't live for others, find your passion, and then hopefully use it to, you know, connect to your friends' passions and things like that. Worry about yourself is big. The second one would be pure potential. People have a lot of opinions, but my opinion is we are nothing but pure potential at any given moment. You can leave your job today and it's scary and there's a lot of fear, but you still have the potential to make it big, you know, mm -hmm. and you might learn some painful lessons like may, you know, through that loss, whatever it may be, especially around COVID time, but you never know what lies ahead. And I believe that we are all just pure potential waiting for the next, you know, moment to step into it. And the more that we put in action, the more we just attract that success to us. And then the third one is no future. There is no future. We build it. We build these, these imaginations so vividly <laughs> and we think about it and we build this fear on us and we carry that and we carry that anxiety. You know, a lot of people want us to be successful. A lot of people are afraid of failure, afraid of if I do this thing, you know, what can happen? But you got to make the decision first. You got to take the steps. You got to move in, in the now, as Eckhart says. Yeah. 
all good quotes. I really love all of those. <laughs> I know. I, I, mean, I have this whole quote folder that maybe I can share with you. And I try to credit whoever gave the quote, but whether it was a book I read or something I saw, I love quotes. Same thing with music. I love music. It's just so amazing how artists can take something and just eloquently say exactly what you feel. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So true. Well, it's funny that you talk about peace a lot because every episode I ended asking people what brings you peace. And so, yeah, I just, what either, what have you found, you know, that uplifts Mm. your spirit or anything? I think you already are very well-versed in peace, but yeah, what brings you peace? So the journey to peace, for that to happen, reflection is really important. Mm -hmm. Having an outlet as well, whether that is me journaling, which also helps with the process of reflecting. I also do these photo shoots every time I buy new clothes, which tends to be a lot during COVID. Yeah, <laughs> it really helps those creative outlets. So um, that reflection kind of, it brings me towards clarity and that clarity is what gives me peace. The clarity of who I am as a person, how other people affect me or how they are not allowed to affect me because I don't allow that or allow their opinion to affect me, whatever it may be, I have a clarity and that clarity is peace. That clarity gives me so much more peace because I, I was talking to my mom a lot about, like you can, you can be so happy driving on an empty street, but eventually there's traffic. And when there's traffic, are you just gonna sit there completely unhappy and angry and just sit in that anger you know, as traffic slowly moves, are you going to put on your favorite podcast, your favorite music, and, you know, find peace in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that clarity about what can I do in this situation to protect my peace is super important. And, and that peace comes with the clarity. Mm-hmm. Beyond Ourselves is an original series produced and hosted by me, Taylor Camille. A variety of the series artwork shared here and on our Instagram at Beyond Ourselves are created by Carmen Johns and Sierra Hood. My hope is that these listenings have left you with a warm heart and an even cooler mind. I hope you are left feeling able to seek peace in the spaces and places you may find yourself in. If you're interested in being on the pod or have any compelling leads, please shoot us an email at info at and subscribe and share if you haven't already.